going to. This is the Bootsman Podcast, Gakuro Radio. We go way, way, way beyond. What's the smart people stay in the building? I'm so fired up. I'm back. Man, after three weeks and I haven't been around. I feel so good to be back. And I'm just trying to get used to this new platform. I'm trying to get amped up. I'm not, not in the Gak studio. Wait, I need to. My goodness. All right, so some good news. The good news is I'm back. The good news is I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through the social distancing. I'm working my way through the corona. I'm working my way through being back in the mix of, you know, podcasting and getting my feelings out there. And, you know, I've worked so hard over the last, I would say, six months and focusing on sports and not really focusing on politics and my podcast. And one time during the Blitzmat podcast, you know, Blitzmat Prague, that's where you can find me only on Twitter. All right, so... I used to focus so much on politics that people were saying, like, bro, you do a sports podcast. You don't really do politics. Be like, what you do, man, you can talk politics however you like. But really, really, your real thing is sports. Like, that's what you do. I mean, you, you ran Blitz Magazine for about seven years, and... And, like, you know, you was a diehard football guy, and you guys used to tear up the barbershop scene and rip it up about Mayweather and De La Hoya and Pacquiao and talk about all different types types of sports. And then that's how we just manifest into an idea and just something that just turned into fun to something that's actually starting to grow a little bit. It's taking a little bit of time. Like, me personally, I never really intended for the podcast to blow like, not saying that it is right now, but I never really intended for the podcast to be more than just a, a speaking, just for a platform for me to get my thoughts across when I see the, you know, when, I, when I'm not seeing free play in the midst of sports, when I'm not seeing true journalism in play, when I'm not seeing, you know, authentic, fair, concise, accurate information being disseminated through Twitter or someone's platform, whether it's a mainstream platform or ESPN or something smaller as a blog, and not really to become, not really to confront them, but just to also bring another narrative in place where people can really understand that, you know, there is balance in the force. You know what I'm saying? There's not everything, there's not always a place where, you know, where we deal with, but like, like a prime example is Cam Newton, you know, um, I know Cam Newton can be kind of awkward. He can be kind of weird. The way he handles himself, the way he, you know, he wears funny scarves and hats and stuff like that. And he's, and he's a personality. You know what I'm saying? And for some reason, that rubs pe- pe- people the wrong way. And But when someone else is doing the same thing, like uh, Johnny Manziel and how he has swagger and, and how he just has it and all these things and how he can you know, roll up $20 bills at a party and no one doesn't assume he's doing cocaine and shit. Although Cam Newton can, can make a gesture towards a female reporter and everybody assume that she didn't know what she, that she was talking, that, that he, everybody assumed to think that he was thinking that she didn't know what he was talking about. What he really was trying to say, you let him finish, and people let him, let him really complete his thought was, you know, that Cam was trying to tell her, like, damn, a woman is asking better question, a better question than all you men around here. Like, all you men around here are not even answering, like, and not saying that a woman cannot answer those kind of questions, but, you know, 
but you know, it just comes to the point where, you know, the cream is starting to rise to the top. And I think how the message was disseminated because she was in a room full of white men and they weren't asking the tougher questions. And because Cam recognized her and singled her out, they spun it in a way they they um, spun the narrative in a way is that he was trying to single her out and belittle her to think that she, why could she think no it's not why she could, why you guys haven't asked any of these questions because that was a good fucking question and my job here is not to say that Cam was right or wrong but just to bring balance in the force you think what I'm saying is just to let everybody know that you know just because one person tries to tries to create a narrative around a person doesn't mean that narrative that they are creating is legitimate. You know? And just because Cam likes to wear funny clothes and wear 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 scarves and crazy hats doesn't mean he's not dedicated. I mean Jimmy Man he used to do that all the time. Like Jimmy Man used to wear sunglasses and headbands and with quotes on him, like fuck off and all kinds of shit like that. And everybody was like, man, this guy is great. I love this guy. I, I love the way he just attacks the media. Like, like I love how he just doesn't give a shit and just goes out there and does his thing. Like, yo, man, what's up with that? A black man has to has a black quarterback has to have the highest amount of decorum. And even that still isn't good, good enough. What has Cam ever done negative? And I don't even want to even talk about, start talking about this show about Cam. But it's just, it's just amazing. That's why Bush was created. Like, you know, I'm going to talk about Cam about Actually, I'm going to talk about Cam a bit more in the show. But that's why Bush was created. That's why the pod was created. And that wasn't meant for it to be large. I mean, like, you got a lot of great pods out here. Like, I tell you, the best pod out here, like, right now, one of the top joints out there is doing the Bumani Jones joint. The right time joint is popping. Like, I swear, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, like, the apex of podcasts right now. You know what I mean? If you really want to listen to a good podcast, you know what I mean? And I'm hype-hyping them up. And this is my fucking joint. This is Bush Man Podcast. Got more radio. You go, wait, wait, wait. It's my people stand up. it. So, but I'm still got to hop up. I got to hype up Bo because, and that's a dope joint. That's a dope, that's a dope pop. So, let's talk about, there's so many things that I really want to tap on in the world of sports. And the most important thing I want to tap on in the world of sports that there should be no fucking sports. Like, seriously, let's stop playing games. Let's stop sending out messages that we think games can be played in June. Or we think games can be played in, <clears throat> you know, uh, July. Or we can fit in. No, man, no. Unless the NBA, the NFL, the, the, the NHL, the MLB, unless all of these groups. And first of all, they should all be working together. None of these groups should be really, really working apart. All of their doctors, all of their lawyers, all of their scientists, all of their sports medicine people, all of the engineers, all they should be bringing all of their resources together, really, to help humanity. Number one. <clears throat> Number two, they should be bringing all these resources together. Number two, they, they need to be bringing all these resources together to figure out a way for them to maintain their sport and their investment. And the players 
need to get involved as well. They need investing some of their resources. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about influence. It doesn't, you know, investment doesn't always equate to money, but it, it can equate to other things. And just bringing awareness, influence. Like I, in, in one of the last podcasts I gave you, the biggest thing that Magic did was he gave awareness to HIV. Like the whole world understood what HIV was after Magic Johnson. Like that pretty much changed everything. And the NBA, again, again, really set the standard for the entire American landscape. It was Adam Silver. When the Adam when Rudy Gobert was diagnosed with coronavirus, with the coronavirus, COVID-19, when he was diagnosed, it was the NBA that shut the season down. That was the first major organization that had national, that had a national presence to shut it all down, to really shut it down. It was like, whoa, we have a problem here. A major problem here. Because they had people within the field. They had people, they had relationships in China. Although we had the problem with the Rockets over the year with, with, with Daryl Morey, there are still some relationships in China where the NBA could actually seek that data, get that information, and they knew how serious the virus was. Immediately. Immediately. They didn't wait for five guys to get it. And when Magic got HIV, they didn't shut the NBA down because they knew the science behind it. They they knew that was a sexually transmitted disease. They, they understood that if guys played basketball, that they could not be harmed by it. But there was a lot of, at that time, misconceptions about the HIV virus. Magic put those things to light. In this case scenario, there isn't a lot of data to prove what corona is and how it can be so contagious. They already know that it's 10 times more contagious than the common cold, than the common flu. We've already talked about this. We went over the numbers. So, and while they're trying to say that the numbers are going to be roughly 60,000 or 100,000 people compared to when the last time I spoke to you, the projection was 1.2 million. Well, the 1.2 million was based upon the U.S. didn't have any response at all. And now that we have a simple response and the fact that most of America has been compliant, most people are involved in this pandemic to the point where they are being socially responsible. So that's a dynamic that I think a lot of America is adhering to. So I think that's another thing that's also bending the curve. But here's the thing. Based on our way of life, based on the lack of testing, we really don't know who has it, who doesn't have it, and how it contracts, and how we can, and how we can contain it. 
So the, 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 the point of the 60,000 is this 60,000 can be reciprocal. Like we may have a month where we have 500 deaths and then out of nowhere, we have 25,000. Because people thinking that it's not a, we, you know, people think that well, we can't get it. Or we, I had it once, I didn't know it, but now I'm, I'm like, immune to it. Like, you don't really know. No, no one, first of all, the information is too new, the data is too rich. That's why the curves are so steep in their models and projections. I'm, I, I understand data. You know what I'm saying? And the data was based on the 1.2 million was based on the entire country being hit almost all at the same time. We're not talking about a wave. You might still get 1.2 million deaths over 18 months, which sounds, which is crazy. Think about that for a second. No matter how you spin it, no matter how you spin it, 1.2 million deaths over the course of, let's say, three years, that shit ain't cool either. So, I just think the concept of any sporting um, a profession, boxing, the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, I think any of these professions, as much as you want to get the guys, as much as the guys want to get back on the field, as much as the, as, as, as the networks want to use the content, we all need it. Everybody wants it. Few people are, 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 are thirsting for it, for the most part. But you still have to be social responsible. I mean, I'm, I'm responsible. You have to take the lead. The NBA took the lead to shut the lead down. After that, corporations took the followed that lead and they started shutting down. They started telling people to go home. The NBA was the first major company to take that step. I don't know if they were the first, but they were the first recognizable company to take that ultimate step. Now, sports should also lead in the element of setting the standard for how we go about in, in attacking this virus, learning how to cope with the virus, learning how to interact with the virus, like all these things that are necessary for their sport to be, you know, enjoyable again, they have to, they, they should be the ones taking me, Adam Silver, all the owners, like guys like Mark Cuban, like, like these guys have abundance of resources I'm not talking about donating masks. I'm talking about actually getting involved with the science. Getting involved with, with, with the biology of it all. With the chemistry of it all. Talk to some military leaders. Like talk, reach out to your connections in China. Reach out to your connections in, in, in South Korea. Talk to your people in, in Italy. You've been, re, you've been building basketball connections in all these countries for, for over 30 years. This is the time. Use those, use those relationships now. You know, even with, even with uh, hockey, use those relationships in Canada. You know, Major League Baseball, you've always getting Cuban defectors. Use those relationships in Cuba that you've built and figure out what type of relationships that we can bring doctors over here to support the doctors on our front line now. Besides, you need Spanish-speaking doctors. How many Spanish-speaking doctors do you have and you have a country that has 35 people, 30, 30 40% of the population speak Spanish? That's the number one language. 
So you need these. So you need these relationships. The NFL, like that's what I'm saying. Like you got the NFL in London. You see what's going on over, over there. Like you gotta start partnering. This is a, like this is when all the billionaires need to start using their brains and using some of that influence. And it's not just sit back and saying, "Well, I'm social distancing." You can you can social distance from your computer and from your desk and make shit happen. You have jets and shit. You have billions of dollars. You can mass produce anything you want. You build stadiums for crying out loud. Guys own resorts like they like they build Las Vegas and shit. Like all of a sudden, no one can fucking build a hospital. I I I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't. That's why I think. The people in sports, the leadership in sports, who understand because they have some, they have, they all deal with a diverse population, so they understand where these populations are impacted, especially in the NBA, where you have a minor, uh, where you have eighty percent of the players are African American or, 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 or people of color, and they can easily touch their communities very, very quickly. You know what I'm saying? Like, they can easily touch their communities. And the communities, for the most part, will listen. You know? The communities will respond. Especially if you put some Air Force Ones in the mix. So, I know, seriously. But, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, it's like, this is the time where we got to all start pulling our resources together. And it really starts from the top. I know the players can hold the fans down. The players can do all kinds of mixtape parties online, interaction, Q&As, donate this, support, you know, support some of the workforce here and there. Oh, that's great. The players are doing, trying to do their part. We're the billionaires. We're the owners. Like, those guys need to be collectively... How come they haven't bought in scientists, biochemists? Maybe they have. I'm not saying they haven't. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of smart people in that build in those buildings. But they should be thinking about how they can take the be the, the forefront, take the lead, be the leaders of this pandemic and how to handle it, and how to navigate it, and how to test. Think of how they're going to go about testing. The way they go about testing their players should be almost a standard of how every business should test. And think about this from a testing point of view. All right, so, so from, from a historical standpoint, the coronavirus, this pandemic, is the most, I don't want to say devastating yet, but it's, it's but it's clearly the most remarkable and I was it's the most astounding event of my lifetime. How about that? And astounding is not in a positive sense. Astounding is in a sense of a devastation. Like the, the potential of it is totally devastating. And especially if you don't have people that are serious about maintaining order. But my whole, there's so many 
elements to this that you know it, it's it's I'm really at a loss of words in terms of how you know the best way for us to navigate through it. But I guess the way is, is is to keep doing what you're doing. I mean, social, keep social distance, distancing, keep, you know, focusing on, you know, protecting your family, washing your hands, washing your face, staying healthy, building up your immune system, take your vitamin C, take your echinacea, take your edelberry, eat oranges, work out, run, really start taking care of yourself. The stronger your body is, the harder for any infection and viruses to break it down. But the corona virus is just so unique in the sense that it's so contagious. It's just such a contagious beast where you almost know you're going to, at some time in your life, you're going to get it. It's like, the, it's like in the uh, 70s, 80s, you always knew people was going to get the chicken pox. You get it once, you don't, have, you don't have to get it again. But now with the corona, like, the chicken pox normally doesn't kill you. The corona will kill you. The coronavirus kills. It sucks the wind out of your lungs. It makes it feel like you're being, you're, you're in a high altitude and it collapses your lungs. You lose your breath. It's painful. It's not pleasant. It's not the flu. That's how it starts. You may get through like symptoms, but when you really have it, that's, it's so much to I mean, I can talk about the stimulus package, which is also a joke, but I want to keep it on sports. And the main piece of it is, is that there, there really should be no sports. There's a, there has been enough great moments in sports over the last 30 years for content to run for at least nine months. I mean, serious great, like all these great games, like all the great games, like there are... 45 great NBA games every year. Like, great NBA games every year. Every year for the last 20 years. Do some research and find those fucking games. There are great fights that, that have been broadcast. Find the fights and replay them. There are great baseball games that people missed out. I mean, games that you heard about. You might have seen those sports and you might have seen how. No, replay the game. Replay the game. You can almost do a simulation of games based on the greatest teams and see how those teams won on any given day. Like, I, you can play all you kind of all the fun, fun, fun things. You can run these kind of models through AI and machine learning and just have the uh, a system pick a game of that. And you really don't know what you're going to see until a few hours before. I'm just saying, I just think that there should be, there's enough great moments of sports where we, where we can take a chill from sports. And while, also while, the billionaires, the owners, would take a serious lead in, into solving 
and being proactive and, 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 and helping solving the solution to a vaccine. And not really a damn vaccine. Let's, let's get cures, yo. Vaccines are, first of all, are made for us to live with something. For us to be able to abstain and still be able to function with the coronavirus. Like, okay, so now we take our corona shot or we have to take these pills where, you know, we won't, like, we will, like, we'll get corona, but we won't, it won't be contagious or we can't, like, no, 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 no. Why won't we just figure out a fucking cure for it? Let's do the corona cure. I don't understand why we always talking vaccines like we should be talking cures, solutions. I don't want to be able to live with anything. Why would you? Like, why do you want to live? Like, why won't we solve these things? I understand. It's medicine. But see, now we starting to get into the whole holistic health care and health. And just, you know, first of all, we all know that health I mean, the whole concept of healthcare not being a human right and you pay taxes in this country is just utterly insane. It's utterly it's, it's, it's appalling and it's insulting. It's insulting to anybody who just seen the country just pull practically eight bill eight trillion dollars. They printed up eight trillion dollars and all of a sudden they saying that they that they can't do Medicare for all. Like, it just makes no sense. They know they can they know what they can do. They, they know those opportunities are right there. Right? So, I mean, this is the time where if you have 20 million people in the last three weeks losing their job, they have no Medicare. They have, oh, and they're saying, well, anybody who wants a test can get it for free. Anybody who can get treatment for the corona can get it for free. Corona and diabetes, that's a bad combination. The corona and heart disease is a bad combination. Corona and asthma seems like a really bad combination. Corona and, you know, uh, 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 um, um, diabetes, I might say that already, but it sounds like a bad... Like, there's a bunch of different ailments that seem like it's bad. Cancer and corona doesn't seem like a good idea. There's a bunch of different ailments. Why is this singled out just for the coronavirus? If you're sick... You should be able to go to the doctors. It shouldn't just be specialized, specialized just for just for the coronavirus. I, I know I'm not on sports right now, but the, but the, here's the key: the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, the NHL—they have the resources to do the to, to do the testing. That's necessary. And the point I was trying to make earlier, it came back to me. I, I lost my I lost my my chance. The point is that. All these diff- all these companies out here, if they really want people to get get back to work, pay for the fucking corona test. See how many of your employees are actually have the test. And how many of your employees, if they do have the test, how many are gonna get treatment? Offer you all your employees free health care. Help be part of the solution. You take a piss test. Everybody every, every, every time you take a job, you gotta take a drug test, right? Why can't you also pay for the corona test? This is corporations investing into their com- in their business. No company should get a bailout to bring people back to work if they're not committed to testing themselves to get people back on the job. It makes no sense. The NBA, trust me, the NFL, guess what? All those guys getting tested to get back on the job. Why should that be any different for Walmart or Target 
or or uh, the airlines or, or or Comcast, Verizon, anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, those companies, they, they need to take those dollars and invest into testing, get real results. All these healthcare providers that you guys want to believe, love to talk about the current healthcare. Well, there you go. Work with those insurance companies, those healthcare organizations, through the relationship that you work with with your company and guarantee testing, not just one test, multiple tests around the country, random tests, quarantines, quarantine stays, paid leave, treatment, prevention. You know, training, all those different things. That's all those things. And I'm trying to tell you, sports can lead that effort. Sports can be the ones that show everybody the path. Like, this is how we got the players back on the field, back on the court. Now, I know I'm rambling. I'm going along. Bushman Podcast, got Court Radio. We go, wait, wait, wait. Now, what's up? It's in the building. Bushman Press. AJ is coming back. The negotiations are almost completed. So, yeah, I go again. But, uh, Seriously, I was thinking about how we can get players back on the field. <clears throat> First thing, fans can't be there. All right? Fans can't be there. That's guaranteed. Fans can't be there. But football is unique in the sense that the entire body is covered. The entire body is covered. The entire body. If you made football players have their entire have to full body suits, head to toe, wrap, hands, wraps, uniforms, blah blah blah. When they come out, they get the disrespect, they get sprayed down, disinfected. Now, I don't know. I should be talking closer to the mic. They should be sprayed down with disinfectant before they come out in the field. Both guys. No part of the body flesh is shown. Once flesh is shown, play stops. That means quarterbacks have to play with visors. Every quarterback plays with gloves. I'm not trying to hear it. Quarterback have to play with gloves. Those are the new rules. Every receiver has to catch with gloves. Every running back has to run with gloves. Those are the new rules. Your whole body, you must not have no exposure on the field. Your skin, there has to be no exposure of skin on the skin. That's a possibility. Without fans being in the field, I think those are possibilities. I think you can do the same thing in baseball. Everybody in baseball is distance. I think when you have people on base, that's where it gets tougher on baseball. Because you want to hold the bag, you want to hold the runners. When you make tags, but when you make tags and make plays, again, the skin is not whole. Guys have to play in full body suits, full gear, in all sports action. 
even now the NBA is the game where I think you cannot play. Only because even if you have full exposure on the on the you guys gotta have guys gotta have the hands to shoot the rocks. You can't play with gloves. That's the game that you just can't do with gloves. I think you can do hockey in an empty stadium with guys fully clothed. You know, constantly spraying the balls down, the pucks down with disinfectant. I think hockey and football have a chance to be played. I would not play college football. What this idiot said the other day is was is just disgraceful. That uh, uh, uh was it Lundy or uh, I forget the guy from Oklahoma State mentioned that kids he wants to get the kid you want to kick the coronavirus in the teeth. What a dumbass thing. Like, you wouldn't say that for yourself. You wouldn't put your son on the field. You wouldn't put his son on the field. You wouldn't. You wouldn't put his son on the field. Like that's that's all talk. He's willing to risk the black man's he's willing to risk the black body. So his school so his school can make money. So the players will be literally working for free. So his school, can, so he can keep getting his fat five million, six million, seven million dollar a year salary and bonuses and free houses and food and all that shit. Cookies get. And the players will get nothing. Like that's basically endorsing slavery. Like get the players on the field so we can start making money, funnel money to like to the state to fight the virus. Mm-hmm. What? I, I mean, like the like the audacity to say that it, it's just ignorant. We're gonna, we're gonna kick the coronavirus in the teeth. Like that's how he's like that's his message. I mean, it's it, it's just it's foolishness. It's just utter, it's just, it's just, it's just foolishness for anyone to even think that's, <clears throat> for anyone who even think that makes sense. Um, but these are the guys who are coaching our black ch- kids on the football field. Like, these are the kind of guys, like guys like Nick Saban, who, who's telling black kids in Alabama not, not to pay attention to an election. Really? Oh, uh, oh, like, are you talking to your kids? Or we don't think about that. Like, what? <laughs> really? I guess you don't have to think about it, Nick. I guess you got it all figured out. I mean, because you're already making, like, you know, uh, 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 you know, $10 million a year football. So everything's cool for you. I guess you don't really think about that. I mean, it's, 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 it's that type of arrogance. You know, it's, it's that type of arrogance that uh, that um, that just really uh, that's just astounding. You know, that's right. Here we go, Gandhi, Oklahoma State. I mean, it's just it's out of bounds. 
I'm a man, I'm 40. Well, now, that was that was like 15 years ago. He's 55, and he's thinking, you know, he, you know, he's thinking that, you know, the coronavirus, and, and he's willing to put young black men at risk, young white men at risk, kids at risk, for free. I mean, it, I, I, it's just, it's appalling. I don't understand how black parents can let this man come into their homes or let any recruiter from this who works for this man or any of these races. Because, I, you know what, I'm asking a coach, if I'm a parent, I'm like, who you vote for? You vote, you vote, you vote, you vote for Trump? That's a fair question for a parent. It's a, it's a very fair question for a black parent. You, you, you vote for Trump? You at Alabama. You vote, you at Tennessee. You vote for Trump? Nine? Nine to me, right? Nine to me. I'm asking, I mean, I think that's a fair question for every black parent to ask him because, because you know the man doesn't have, you know, black interest at home. And how can you vote? And how can you have this man coach your son? You see what he looks at him as cattle. Black bodies, that's all they are. You know, they got the ability to fight the virus off. Really, this is like they, they ain't treat them as, as, as human beings. Like, like, you wouldn't put your son out there. It's just ignorant. I'm a man, I'm 40. Remember, I'm, I'm a man, I'm 40. London's a fraud. And it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's repulsive that he hasn't gotten enough backlash from this. You know, you're going to sacrifice the lives of kids knowing that there's a deadly virus going on. Knowing that kids can get it. <laughs> like, it's just no sports right now, yo. You got all these scientists at all these schools. You, oh, you see these Big Ten commercials, University of Wisconsin. We got the number one science research department in da-da-da. Oh, University of Nebraska. We got the number one, you know, biochemical. Where the fuck are they at now? Where are all these biochemists and shit at all these universities? They need to be solving, figuring out a cure, not a vaccine, a cure for the coronavirus. They need to be on the front line helping pe- pe- people survive. I, like I said, the corona, the whole, I've already become political enough. I've, I've political enough so far. I am really, I, I'm going to be real with you. I'm already 40 minutes in and the show didn't even start. I'm just warming up. No, seriously, though. I mean, real, real, real talk. Is that the leadership at the top is the reason why everybody's suffering right now with the virus. Now, I've already talked fucked about this in previous shows, but, you know, our lack of testing, there are three ways that the Asian countries China, South Korea, 
I think um, uh, Tokyo at the time, all those Tokyo stocks are starting to spike a bit now. Um, uh, Singapore, there's three, they have three things that they focus on. Right? They focus on three elements of, of, uh, of uh, maintaining the coronavirus. And that's testing. That, um, excuse me, I'm gonna get, get my thoughts clear. Do I have it right here? <clears throat> I'm sorry. So that's testing, isolation, and containment. Those three elements we have no plan for in America. Testing, isolation, containment. That's how you figure everything out. Because if you test, then you figure out who you have to isolate. If you can isolate it, then you contain it because you can, because now, now you can treat it. <clears throat> if you want to contain it <clears throat> and centralize locations where it can't fester outside of a certain hub. And then you treat inside that hub. We don't have that here in the United States. We don't have those kind of philosophies here. And it starts from the top because people said it was a hoax. You know? I mean, that's what he said. Like, oh, we got 15 and it's going to be down to zero. <clears throat> um, you know, it's just like the flu. It's not a big deal. I mean, I mean, these are real, these, these are real things that people are saying. And if you're saying these things, if you're making these, if you're saying these things and you're disseminating these type of messages, then you make people think it's not real and then people get really sick. And people die. This is real simple. And if you're saying these things and if you don't believe these things, then you don't plan. If you don't think they're real, then you don't plan for it. You don't have to have any kind of con a contingency plan. I'm gonna give you a perfect example. Of, of, of what contingency planning is all about. Alright? First come out of college, my first job out of school was with an investment bank and we used to manage data centers. So the data centers maintain other traders, other trading boards. Like, you know, if the data centers are going down, everybody's getting fired. The biggest thing at that time in 1999 on my age out there is was Y2K and damn it that was my first project and we tested Y2K to death we spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars preparing for the absolute worst not knowing that you know nothing happened Two, the year 2000 came and not, they thought the machines were going to take over. Everything was going to go haywire. You know, we had to do all this Y2K testing. The trading floors were going to go nuts. Did not happen. Absolutely nothing happened. We had three-day stakeouts where we had 18 hours in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the data centers, around the clock. Like, it was crazy. Like, uh, it, you know, it was just wild. Think, thinking that something negative was going to happen. And then the coronavirus... The way you prepare for it is to prepare for the ultimate worst. That should have happened back in January. 
when you become an isolationist and when you start talking about America first and you piss people and you piss other countries off, that's when there's no way to extend their hand. That's why the WHO of the World Health Organization, they don't come to America. They, they may want the money, but they don't want the influence, especially if you don't believe in science. Why, why would China want the U.S. involved if the U.S. don't even believe it's real and, and the Chinese are seeing their people die? And the U.S. knew that something was going on because they gave supplies. They, they gave some of our, um, our, our federal supplies to China. So, all these things are just part of the faulty planning, contingency planning of America. Like, even if you, you don't think it's going to happen, you need to plan for it. Because it just might happen. If you start planning for this, if you start reaching out into the international community, reaching out to, to, to the science community, to the biochemists, to the bio, uh, 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 to the biochemist, uh, you know, community, uh, you know, all the people who, who, who actually specialize in viruses, if you reached out to these people from a global perspective, get them all around the world, house them in China, get these people to learn how to make, to maintain and, the, and to contain the disease before it can travel all over the world, if you want to be a world leader, then act like it. You can't be an isolationist, an isolationist country and also lead it. You can't do this. You can't do both. And you're seeing the impacts of it here. Like this is how, and this is why it's so important. This is, and this is goes back to my original point, why sports can lead because we have those international relationships. We have that, and then we can pull that data from all over the world. The government don't have those relationships. They don't have the respect. They just, they just don't. They just don't have the respect. They just don't have the international clout. The NBA does. LeBron does. Maybe a little bit of the NFL. Maybe some soccer. And, you know, let's think about all these billionaire soccer uh, 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 clubs. Like, like, there's some muscle there. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's my whole, that's my whole deal with all is that sports can lead because the people at the top, there is a crying need in this country right now to set structure. To set real parameters in terms of how we can cope for right now with it. Sports can lead that. How we can reach out to our international relationships in, in Germany, in, in, in China, South Korea, Singapore, Africa, who, who has so much more experience in dealing with, you know, with virus, with viruses and coping with them and know how to distance and know and can and not contaminate an entire and affect an entire country. Know how how so these are some of the experts that we should be bringing over here to teach people because like you have in Africa, you have a lot of people in small congested areas, right? The same shit's going on in New York. You could bring some of those doctors there, some of these uh, 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 political scientists there, and say, hey, when we were in such and such a place, we employed these tactics to fight Ebola, blah, 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 to do social distancing. This is what was necessary here. 
goes, we don't, we're not getting that type of international feedback. We're not using all of our resources from a global perspective because it's all about we're number one or we we, we do the most testing. No, no, we're not, we're doing the least amount of testing. Not the most, the least amount of testing. Come on now. Don't believe that. That's the only way you can find out if someone has it is if they test it for it. If they had, that's how that's how you find out. And if they do, you gotta socially contain them. You know, monitor their breathing, monitor their symptoms over time. We don't have a plan. So that's why that curve that we that we talked about, the flattening of the curve, you really don't know what it is. That's why the model is so fluctuates so much. Because really Without the participation of, 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 of like the people, if the people didn't have enough common sense, see that's the thing, enough people have enough common sense to say I don't want no parts of it. That's the only thing that's saving the country. It's not the government. It's, it's the common sense of the people. And if think about this, if your common sense is telling you to stay at home, and you knew, and if you knew that. The people at the top knew this was coming and did nothing to prevent it from coming other than to tell you that it wasn't coming or wasn't real. Why would you vote for that person if you decided to stay home? If you were a Republican, put it like this. If you voted for Trump and you staying home, you a hypocrite. You a fucking hypocrite. You should be willing to go back to work. You should be calling your boss right now. I'm going to go back to fucking work. That's what you should be doing right now. You should be walking around a hospital, licking the floor. I can't get it. It's not real. It's a hoax. I'm serious. I, 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 it just, it's just unbelievable to me. You got companies who've been making billions of dollars for years. Hilton, Marriott. Apple, Amazon, you know, you know, Victoria's Secret, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, all these companies, Walmart, all these fucking companies making billions and billions of dollars, stock markets through the roof. They can't last two months without making no money? Two months and they already asking for a bailout? Two months. But the American people is, 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 is expected to be able to have, you know, three months of savings. Where the fuck is uh, 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 a Walmart savings at? Where is uh, a Delta Airlines savings? Where the fuck is your savings? Y'all better sell some of that stock. Y'all better sell some of that stock. Why should American people, right? Losing their jobs, dying, getting infected, getting sick. Yet people are worried about billionaires going through the same fate. Like, whoa, hold up for a second. Hold up for a second. It's okay if 20 million people lose their job, but the CEO of Delta Airlines, he can't lose his? He can't go broke? Hey, fuck that. Where'd your savings be? All them bonuses? Come on, guys. 
Come on now. You know you got a stash. You know you're not hurting. Down that down that ain't hurting. They wanna dig they don't wanna dig into that stash. You mean to tell me the mayor got hurting? They gotta fire all their employees. They gotta close down all their Marriott's. They have been making millions and millions of dollars. Billions and billions of dollars for 40 years. Hershey's chocolate. They gotta fire people. They have been, you've been eating Hershey's your whole damn life. Made billions and billions of dollars. Coca-Cola, none of these companies gotta shut down. None of them. Not a single fucking one. None of them do. They all got money. None of them need money. The people need money. They don't gotta shut down. They don't even gotta stop paying people, really. They damn soon don't have to shut down. They damn soon don't need no government bailout money. Imagine. Hedge funds and all these jokers. All these jokers don't need no money. So what they so what they invest in some companies is not gonna make bread now because of the of the virus. That's part of the game. Where, where's my parachute? Twelve hundred dollars. That's what my that's that's the value of the American life fighting a pandemic is twelve hundred dollars. That's what they just told everybody. Twelve hundred dollars. What they should have did is real simple. Everything's all social activities for costs are shut down. All utilities you can't charge. Mortgages, you can't charge rent on only on certain occasions. You have to you have to go through a petition for a reason why you have to charge rent during a time where there's a pandemic. But if you only have to pay rent because you have a mortgage and the mortgage company can't charge you mortgage for the rent that you want, no, you can't charge no rent for it. No, I ain't trying to now, if you own the crib outright and that's how you living, then on that unemployment check, they gotta break you off. Because you gotta eat, eat too. So, but but really, there really should be no utility costs right now. No mortgages, zero utility costs. Even credit card companies should no company should be calling you right now. Zero. Zero. It hasn't even been one fucking month. It hasn't. I can see. I can truly see if it's been like four months and comes like, yo, man, yo, we gotta do something. It ain't been, it's damn near been four weeks. Restaurants, I get it. Small businesses, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I understand it. Major corporations that's made billions of dollars and on stock market for years. No, no, no. Get the fuck out of here. Microsoft, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Beat it. You know what I'm saying? Like Betty Crocker and all them. Like, get out, get out of here. Beat it. Coca Cola, get it. What? Come on now. People should be getting that bread. That's how you still make the market for People go out, 
they start buying things, they start fixing up their house, they start improving their property, they start, they start investing. You know what I'm saying? Those things are important. That stimulates the economy. That makes people feel good when they have things. You know, when they have some savings, when they invest into the stock market, when they can get their teeth fixed, when they can fix up their health, when they can pay for their kids to go to college, that stabilizes families. That keeps families together. That keeps the economy moving. That make people, that just, that's the type of shit that makes people want to go to work. Knowing that if they get sick, they can get fixed, they can get health care, they can go go to the dentist and not worry about anything. That's what inspires people to work harder for you. But the way capitalism works, and I know I said I, I, I said I wasn't gonna try to get too political, but here we here we are an hour in, and I'm already too political. I'm about to shut it down. But that's how capitalism works. What capitalism tries to do, it just tries to starve you to the point where you gotta work. And if you don't work, you starve. And it just keeps squeezing you, squeezing you, and squeezing you to the point where there's nothing left of you. And that's where we are now. That's where we're transitioning to. We are transitioning to the automated the automation, artificial intelligence, and virtual reality. Everything that you're seeing now, these DJ parties on, I, on IG and all that shit like that, that's all part of the virtual reality strategy. Simulation at home where you are not around the other person. That's why you put on the virtual reality got your god with the goggles, and eventually you and your friend are going to be in the Bahamas, but basically you're going to be chilling in your crib. And, 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 you know, like, that's where we're trending towards. That's the virtual reality stage. That's why you haven't, that's why uh, before too long, you're going to think that you're somewhere and you're going to be still in your house. The automation area, area. The companies have been waiting for 10 years to move towards automation. Now, without the corona and the, and the constant layoff, this is the perfect time to go to an automated, to go to, go to more automation processes. That's gonna happen. And the third piece is artificial intelligence and machine learning. And basically, we're going to have neural networks who actually think and act and talk just like human beings. And that can become just as efficient or more efficient, not think, are more efficient than humans. Companies have been trying to do this for a long time. They've been trying to figure out a way to move towards this a long time ago. They just didn't know how to implement it. They didn't know what it was going to take to start. They couldn't, because they couldn't, you know, justify firing 10% of the workforce. 
But that's what it was going to take. Yang was on to something with his universal income due to automation. Now, I'm going to get, because we're going to automate more, I'm going to give everybody $1,200 or $1,000. But he was going to give everybody $1,000 a month. He said, because you people just got to be able to live. I'm just saying, these three things were bound to happen eventually to push us through the 21st century. Virtual reality, automation, AI machine. These things have been in the cusps of, of happening. And when you talk about these things, you cannot talk about these things and not talk about them is going to transition the workforce. Now, when you have these new processes like AI, I know I'm all over the place today. When you have these new processes like machine learning, AI, there's opportunity for more jobs. Different type of jobs. Different structured jobs. Different skills. But people in their, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, they may have a hard time transitioning. Younger people who are into right now, into IG, interactive, interactive, like, there are going to be jobs that's going to trans, the, tra- the transition towards those type of realities. So, and how to house that data, and how and how to disseminate it, and who, who are the best messengers of that data, you know? And Sometimes that might not be a machine. You know, some you know there's still going to be value. Listen, the machines are only as good as the mind behind them. Machines are basically mindless. The machines learn based on the networks, based on the newer networks that that, that we provide. We we give them the baseline. This is some matrix shit. But eventually, they start learning themselves what I'm trying to say is there are going to still always be people who have to maintain those type of processes and that's a whole different way we do things now yeah this is a sports show this is a sports man podcast got for radio we go way 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 down this is my people stay in the building I'm in the crib Alright. I'm keep going. I can do this. I mean, it feels good actually to do through the uh the podcast again. You know, I'm feeling a little bit better. It's been a rough couple weeks in a lot of different ways. No, I haven't had the corona, but just just a grind, man. Just a lot of hustling and trying to work and make deals and just trying to be the best I can be. Also trying to fight the corona, be supportive to my family. And you know, that's tough because my family and I do, my wife and my daughter, my mother-in-law who rides out here, have all been in the crib for a month straight. Like they were the first people that I knew that was social distancing, like maybe even five weeks in. Me, I'm, I'm about three weeks strong, but I still have to go out for, uh, you know, a couple things here and there. Supermarket, gas, in my car. You know, 
just a couple things. But I really haven't really had a chance to talk to you about Tom Brady. And I and it's important because Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, he's, he's, he's the greatest. And I'm telling you, I've seen all the greats. I, I'm not talking about Johnny Unitas. I didn't see Unitas. But Unitas, I, 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 first of all, I can't give Unitas. I gotta get, I think he was a great quarterback in his own right. But it's the 60s. It was just a different football game then. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say it wasn't athletes out there. I'm just saying it's just a different a different game. Offensive linemen were basically like 235 pounds. I mean, that's a fullback now. It's, 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 it's not a tight end. Like a tight end would be a you know, it's a different game. It's just a different a different game. You know, I'm not taking anything from them. You know what I'm saying? But it's just a different game. I mean, but when, when you compare all the greats like Elway, Montana, you know. Rogers, Roethlisberger, Marino, Moon. I mean, when you think of all the, uh, the all-time greats, I mean, Bradshaw wasn't an all-time great. I mean, he, he was a good, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's not an all-time great. I mean, Breeze is an all-time great. Um, 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 Trey Aikman is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's not an all-time great. Steve Young is a is a great great is a is a is an all time great. So when you start talking about guys like that, Brady crushed all those dudes. He, he just totally crushes all those guys. I mean, just the accolades are just unbelievable. I mean, he practically goes to his goes to an NFC Championship game every year. Um, he's already been he's won six Super Bowls. He's been to nine. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just. I mean, the numbers are just ridiculous. 70, almost 75,000 yards uh, passing. Um, got a career completion percentage of, of 64%. You know, 541 touchdowns. Only 179 um, uh, interceptions. He has a 1.8% interception ratio. That means only only 2% of his passes are intercepted. Uh, I mean, he's just the greatest of all time. And for him wanting to leave New England is just I just think it's just, I just think it's one of those things that is like he wanted to I don't think the more I think about <clears throat> Brady, the more I think about Brady. Like, this is something that he's been thinking about for a while. Like, he gave the team 20 years. He's like, what else can I do here? And I think he got Bill No, And I think that's where some of the riff was. I think Bill knew that time when he said he wanted to play to 45, that didn't necessarily mean he wanted to be a Patriot for all those years. And I think Kraft would have pulled rank on Belichick. I think Belichick did get to the point where he knew that Tom was not not that he wanted out, but he just knew Tom was changing. He knew that this day was coming. And the fact that Tom pretty much chose Tampa, to me, excuse me, to me, makes a ton of sense. I mean, because they have all the talent, and they got the weather to make to makes to makes the most sense for Tom Brady. 
Like to me, it's the perfect weather for tennis. It's an outdoor stadium. They play on grass. It's good weather throughout the course of the year. Um, the other, you know, <clears throat> all the teams are like Carolina. And the other two teams are dome teams. Like it's pretty, it's pretty sweet, man. I mean, it's just perfect on the body. It's perfect on the body. And when you talk about receiving threats, I mean, they got two of the best in the game in Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin. I mean, maybe he can get the best out of O.J. Howard. You know, um, Ronald Jones exploded at the end of last season, and everybody's talking about Tampa Bay getting DeAndre Swift in the draft. See, when you start adding those combinations, and then you combine him with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, I think Tampa Bay is a threat. And, and and I can see why Tom Brady sought them out. One, he gets to play in the NFC. Two, he gets to play with some of the best, with, 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 with probably the best two wide receiver combo in the league. And, you know, three, he get a chance to get coached by the guy who coached Tom Brady. I mean, the coach Peyton Manning and Bruce Arians. And four, he gets to play in Tampa where, where he doesn't have to play in cold weather every day. He can wake up on the, be on the beach every day. And just kind of like relax and, and just let his body heal. Now, I know there's going to be some structural differences, but I think Tom is going to bring a lot of that New England pedigree down to Tampa Bay. He already gotten all the respect. He gets all the respect. You know, he's already... Tom Brady got so much respect that Chris Godwin gave up his number before Brady even signed the contract. Yep, I was Tom. I would do something nice for Chris. You know what I'm saying? No Tom, no Tom should think about that. But uh, it just makes a lot of sense. Meanwhile, <clears throat> Jameis should feel good. I mean, he has a point. Jameis was just recently married. You know, God bless Jameis. He had some problems. You know, back in the day, seemed like his life is getting better. He still threw for 5,000 yards. People forget. Winston threw for 5,000 yards. Jesse threw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. I get it. And I'm thinking Tampa Bay would have probably resigned Jameis if they didn't think they had a chance for Brady. I think Brady made it known from the beginning that Tampa was on high on his list. And Tampa just said, you know what? Let's just cut our ties with Jameis now. Let him see if he can find a spot. I still believe Jameis is a starting quarterback somewhere. I think um, a team like San Diego, San, San, San Diego, oh, why I keep calling him San Diego, the Chargers, the LA Chargers, should really give him some thought out up there, compete with Tyrod Taylor. I think the Steelers are another perfect spot for him. Even if behind Big Ben, Big Ben is practically toast. I don't, I, I'll be shocked if he makes it through another season. So if he goes to a place like Pittsburgh, he's going to get on the field. So I just think it's just a matter, and you never know. I mean, Jameis could be an option for New England. I don't think that's some, I don't think that's the best fit. I think Belichick has been enamored by mobile quarterbacks for some time now. 
I really do. I think he sees Lamar Jackson, and you know, while as much as he and and this and the Brady thing made him take a look at Lamar Jackson, and he sees the sports car, and he's like, "Damn, I I may want one of those." You know, he looks at Russell Wilson and say, "You know what? I might want one of those." I mean, I'm looking at James right now. He actually led the NFL in passing. But he totally did. He led the NFL in passing. But when, when you think about Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, when you think about those guys, when you, when you, when you think about Kyle Murray, Carson Wentz, when you think about those kind of guys, Belichick probably thinks, I need one of these guys. I need one of these young studs. I need a mobile guy. I need someone that, that can kind of like carry my offense because right now, let's be real, the Patriots offense, I mean, that's another thing. When Brady just looked at his offense and he saw that, you know, the Patriots offensively are just very average. You know, Sonny Michelle is cool at running back game. Like, James White is good out of the backfield. Edelman, you know, he is what he is. I mean, you know, uh, a Camille Harry. I loved him at Arizona State. He's a young kid. But, the, like, this, it doesn't scream Super Bowl champion squad. It just doesn't, it doesn't have that, that, that cachet. And this is where I think a guy like Cam Newton can go into New England and be like, I can be the guy to carry. You know what I mean? I can be the guy. You know what I mean? I can be the guy to carry. Because if Cam is only 30 years old, and if Cam... Can and if Cam Newton can stay healthy and get back to about 90% of what he was, he can carry that Patriot offense. He can throw the ball and cut through the wind. He can break out of the pocket and make some plays. You know, and he can give Belichick that extra that that dual-dimensional, dual-threat quarterback that he's probably been lusting over for the last couple years. And you have a chance to draft a guy like Jalen Hurts to mold into the position after being under Cam for a couple years. That's my number one thing. I think it's, pay attention to this one. I think Jalen Hurts goes to the New England Patriots. And I think Cam Newton signs there. And I think the main reason why Cam Newton hasn't been signed, and I know I talked about Cam over in the show, but I think the main reason why Cam is not for the fact that he hasn't won a game in a while or he had the Liz Frank. I don't think that's the reason. I think the main reason why Cam Newton is still available is that he hasn't been able to walk in the room because of the coronavirus. Like, all NFL franchises are shut down. He hasn't been able to uh, to walk into a room. So, K 
he was the kind of guy you forget how big and how dynamic he looks until he walks up on you. And then go, yeah, Cam Newton's coming. And then you're like, oh shit, Cam Newton's here. And you whip him up like, dang. And you always say, I want this guy. <laughs> I take this guy right here. I give myself a chance. I, I'm going to give myself a chance with this guy right here. Because, you know, like that's what is real, like, you know, because, because, because Cam. I mean, just think of the team that he, I mean, he he really did not have a ton of weapons. I mean, he I mean, DeAndre Williams was nice. You know, Ted Ginn, Jonathan Stewart, they had some they had some players who played really well, but Kevin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin and all that, like those guys, like, I mean, Benjamin didn't even play that yet. Greg Olsen, Olsen's a tight end. He's a great player, but he's a tight end. I mean, Cam Newton literally carried the entire squad. Just carried the entire team. He didn't. That was not a great. And that team went 15 and one. Like people forget that Cam Newton team went 15 and one. So, I mean, I, I just don't. I just think the main reason why Cam hasn't attached to a team is because he hasn't been able to walk up with a guy like John. He hasn't been able to walk up on a guy like, you know, Bill Belichick and say, like, who's your quarterback again? Oh, oh yeah, you want Cam. Like, that's what it's going to take. And I think as soon as, and I think it's great that Cam is putting on work, work. I think it's awesome that Cam feels disrespected. A motivated Cam Newton is a dangerous Cam Newton. That's a Cam Newton who might pay a little bit more attention. So, I think it's awesome. I think I think I think this is great fuel for Cam, and I think the Patriots are going to be the team to lock him in. And I and I'm telling you, with, from from a, a draft perspective, from a draft perspective, I think Hurts is going to the Patriots because I think, as I said before, Belichick is enamored with the ability of a dual threat quarterback because he knows in this era of football. You gotta have a quarterback who, who can move or who has a who has an elite arm. And Brady just doesn't have those skills anymore. But he never could really move. And his arm is just not elite anymore, especially in the cold weather. So that's just that's just the facts. But I, I think is I think that's awesome that we have something I, I think it's great that Brady is you know has chose this path and I and I think it was and I don't think the breakup was as bad as everybody thought it was going to be like I think was pretty like we understand and I think Belichick is looking towards the challenge and I think so is Brady you know I think so is Brady I, I think I think these guys are really focused on what's next um I think it's cool that in the NBA is thinking about playing horse. I think that's awesome. I think the the NBA is always thinking out of the box and way to engage fans and, and and keep the game interesting. And I think the idea of of playing a game of horse is kind of cool. You know what I mean? I, I think um, you know you got some older players involved like Paul Pierce and 
Um, uh, I think Tamika Catchings in there. You got Zach Levine and Chris Paul and Trey Young. I think I think that's I think that's a good. I think that's kind of cool. You know. Um, so I, you know, shout out to the NBA for always trying to. Uh, you know, I always give the NBA. I always give them a shout out and things like that. But it's just, but it's, but it's, it, but it's earned. It's just not. I'm just not throwing it out there. I'm just not making it up. I mean, like the NBA are, are pretty much earning. You know, are, are, you know, they're earning their stripes in, in a lot of these, in a lot, in a lot of ways here in terms of. Uh, in terms of how they want to keep their, in, in terms of how they want to keep their fans engaged. So, um, I think Horse Horse is a great idea. Uh, UFC, Dana White. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk about this for a second. I just gotta tap on this for a second. I gotta, I gotta tap on Dana White. Cause Dana is, uh, Dana's lost his damn mind. Real bad. Because he's still trying to have people fight during a global pandemic. And this is boxing is one of the sports that you definitely cannot have during a, a global pandemic. Like that's this, this is one this is one of the sports that you cannot combat sports. It's like the sport that should not be. It's, like, it's all about blood, sweat. Uh, 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 being in short distances, lack of airspace, grabbing, holding like this is everything you're not supposed to be doing right now. Everything that you're like, like it makes zero sense. And for and if any, and if it's the fact that pretty much, pretty much, he had to get a call from ESPN to say stop it, to say stop. That's that's what stopped him. ESPN was going to be ESPN was going to shut his contract down. That was that was going to stop this shit. Real talk. He got a call from from two TV executives. I know ESPN was one. I, I forget the other network. Yeah, I think it was Fox. I think they have a relationship with. They both called him and said, "Stop the bullshit. Having fights in a secret island and all that. Like, stop that. First of all." No athletic commission is gonna ever grant you a license again. Especially if someone dies from that shit, yo. Like it's just extremely rude. It's, I mean, it's ignorant, it's reckless, it's it's, it's, it's it's showing a lack of compassion and humanity for the uh, uh for for the uh, 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 the athletes and their families and the people who work with them. It's just wrong. And guess what, cuz if you wanna pay guys, you got money, pay them, give them a little something. Give a little something for all that training. It's cool. Y'all made billions. UFC got money. Come on now. They don't have no damn fight, no secret island. Gonna fly. They don't want want the uh, the fighters know where they're going. They're gonna fly and blindfold and all that bullshit. This is Mortal Kombat? What? It, 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 it's just ridiculous. And, and here's the deal, right? This is, this is a whole like you're gonna have people fighting a cage doing a virus, and that's not illegal. But Michael Vick fighting dogs is. I'm not trying to give Vick an out on this shit. What Vick did is wrong. What that shit, what, what this dude is trying to do is worse. He's doing that shit with human beings. 
during the damn pandemic. When you're supposed to be social distancing, he got a fight where he, he has a sport where he's trying to promote where, where two guys breathe on each other and blood comes out and spit and sweat and you grab and you hold. And then he don't even talk about testing. Come on, man. Just the thought of it is ignorant. Is worthy of suspension. Is worthy of the people who own the UFC. Because I know he doesn't technically own it anymore. He's more like the president executive. They need to think about removing this guy. Because he's going to get somebody killed. When guys thinking life like that. This guy's made enough money. He doesn't believe it's real. He believes it's a hoax too. Until one of his guys are dead. And then it's a bunch of sorries or what well, we didn't know and that like nah man. This is a proactive problem, not a reactive problem. That's why we in the pro that's why we in the position that we know because we have the government that's reactive, still don't have a plan. But Dana White needs to be investigated. Real talk. I don't think I had a chance to talk about this, but two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we haven't done the show in a while. The IOC, porn star, the IOC, porn star Dick Pound announced that he was canceling the Tokyo Olympics. He's not necessarily a porn star, but he got named like a porn star, Dick Pound, coming in the door. But yeah, Dick Pound, um, head of the IOC, president of the IOC, um, three weeks ago, I haven't been on the show a while, announced that the Tokyo Olympics was going to be canceled. And they, and they had to force him to make this step. Now that, that Tokyo is starting to feel a little bit of a wave because it, it took them some time for it to start to manifest over there. Because they did some, they did a lot of pre preventive uh, things, but it just the virus is airborne. It lasts on clothes, it lasts on metal. Public transportation, dense spaces is going to spread in some capacity. At any rate, now I'm saying there's no guarantee that we have the Olympic Games next year either. That's how serious the virus is. We may not have, like, we don't want to we don't want to get anyone hopes up at this point in time. We want to keep everything cool. We don't want to even focus on anything other than making sure our athletes are safe and making sure that we have the protocols in the right place to make sure that we are prepared for an Olympics when the time is right, when we have complete control of the virus. They're making smart decisions. These are really smart decisions. Um, since since um I've been off, the NFL made the NFL players made the the horrible mistake 
of, of agreeing to the CBA that, that adds an extra game to the season, 17-game season. I'm not opposed to the one extra playoff team and only the one by. I'm cool with the extra playoff team. I'm fine with that. I don't agree with the percentage. I don't agree with how they're going to divvy up the revenue from gambling. I don't agree with how they reduce the pension funds and the medical funds for retired players. And, you know, the, the agreement that they supposedly signed is different than the one that the NFLPA posted up on their website. Ooh. I can't think of anything more shady than that. Like, you are telling your constituents, you are telling your union, you are telling your players, people that you represent, that they signed one thing and you are posting something else and now they don't know what they signed. They don't know what they really agreed to. And that's why you got people like Eric Green saying, hey, we need some lawyers to come in here to throw this thing out. Like, we need to have a renegotiation. I mean, honestly, I mean, I mean real talk. I mean, he's a thousand percent correct here. A thousand, a thousand percent correct here. First off, the fact that players voted before they even read the damn document should be should be outlawed. When the players wanted to go back and pull their votes back, that should have been allowed because the players were not given the facts. And this is another reason why the players should be able to vote again because the owners and the players, the owners and the players agreed to something different than the players union and the, and the owners agreed to. The players didn't necessarily agree to that deal. They just signed something up. Like, it's a shit show. And guess what? While the coronavirus right now has everybody on lock, so please, it's enough time to get the lawyers involved. It's enough time right now to get the lawyers involved and take a second look at this CBA and what the players signed and what the what the NFL Players Association agreed to with the league and what the differences are and how that impacts them and how that impacts the players that came before them. At least let's be transparent. We already seen what they did with Kaepernick. The NFL PA shouldn't, like the players shouldn't believe anything anyone is saying now. Let's get the lawyers involved. That's what the NFL should be with this thing. That's what the NFL PA should be with this. Enough players don't is not are not showing enough outrage. Why? Because you're getting a few guaranteed dollars. Hold up, bro. You just gonna get those dollars anyway. It's free agency. The money is still there. No one said the money isn't there. You just should be getting more of it. You know. I'm, I'm, I don't want to hear no more talk about NFL players not making enough money. I'm sick of NFL players not fighting for themselves. If they want to be paid $400,000 a year, if they want 70% of their players to be paid under $1 million, if that's, how, if that's the league they want to, why, why the owners make billions of dollars, if that's the league they want, if that's the league, if that's the type of system they want to be a part of, then so be it. I, I, I just can't fight for these guys no more. I know I did the Blitzman podcast to be a voice. I talked about them. I, I just can't. I can't do it. I, NFL, I can't do it with them guys no more. I can't. It's not the, I can't do it right now. 
It's frustrating, man. It's just, like, you know what I'm saying? I just can't do it with these. I just can't do it with these Negroes. I can't. I can't. Morris Smith, he, like, he just became a lackey. He became a lackey. Like, they just really greased him up. He came in talking real tough. Now, he's just, he's like, he's like a little bird. They got a day, I mean, they fucked his pockets up. One day, he goes into his, he goes into his trash bag, he goes into his, uh, his waste basket. You know, he looks, he's opening up the lid, and like, oh, shit, five million in. You know what you gotta do. You know what you gotta do. Owners can do that. Like, Demora Smith is completely broke. He's bought. The players need somebody. They need new leadership in there quickly. Quickly. But he's certified. They need to do it quick. I mean, they really should. All right, this new CBA is a scam. The new CBA is a scam. It's, it's, it's a total scam. And every thousand percent correct, not enough players are beating Jones on this. And again, I don't want to hear no more. I don't want to hear no. I don't want to hear about a hockey player making twenty million dollars and an NFL guy complaining about he ran for two thousand yards and they're not trying to give him ten men. I'm not. I'm not trying to hear. I'm not trying to hear. I'm not trying to hear that. I'm not trying to hear no more. Seriously, I'm not trying to hear that no more. I'm not trying to hear that no more because. You guys has had more than enough opportunities to stand your ground, to stand your ground and fight for things that you always said that you believed in. You always said you believed in these things. And when it came time to be tough and negotiate and fight for things that you truly believed in, fight for transparency, fight for more money, not give into the 16 game C season, Fight for more, you know, for a second buy, a buy, buy week. Fight for more, you know, transparency when it comes to dis, to discipline and black and, and blackballing players for for not committing crimes. When it's time for you to stand up for any of those things, you coward. You coward. I'm not calling you coward. I'm just trying to say you didn't fight for these things. Not enough of you did. And I understand, I mean, you know, being an NFL player, it's a good, good life. Like, $800,000, two, three million a year, four million a year. Like, man, look, I do this shit for free. I mean, listen, I played football all the way up until my, 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 I'm, I'm 45 right now. I played football all the way up until I was like 35. I retired my thing. So, I played for nothing a lot of years. I played for nothing my whole entire life. Tell my lot is my whole damn life. I played for nothing. I get it. So guys making two, three, four, five, six million dollars a year playing football. I don't want to rock the boat. I get it. It's a good life. But don't complain about not getting more. That's my only thing. If this is the system that you want, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not here to knock it. I don't want to hear no more complaints though. I don't want to hear you had 10 years to prepare for your new collective bar, and this is the trash you threw out there. And I just can't believe not one single attorney. I haven't heard one attorney, not one attorney in all the sports that said that was a good deal. Not a single one, not a single agent, not a single attorney, not a single sports analyst, business analyst, not a single one. You said this was a good deal for the players. Not a single soul. 
I'm still trying to find that guy. I'm still trying to find that art. So, you know, we all can't be wrong. You know, I guess I guess I tell you what, your attorney wouldn't advise you to sign that joint. Your agent wouldn't have told you to sign that joint. It's is unbelievable. You know, it just makes no sense to me. How, how, uh, you know, guys can be so uh, nearsighted and don't see the vision of where the game is moving towards in the future and understand how how data is going to be so much more valuable and how they're going to be tracking all your movements and, and how they're going to, like, all these things are are, are, are part of the, the new uh, 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 landscape of sports and, and how you're not going to have any in the interaction in those things are not going to have a more a bigger voice in those matters. Like, that's my thing. I, I don't see how... You know what I'm saying? I, don't, I just don't see how you don't want to be a part of that. I don't see how you don't want to protect every element of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't see that. And... and I think the NFL just, again, I think they missed out on a golden opportunity. I really do. Um, the XFL made off their whole entire um, staff did today. I mean, give the XFL some that though, because I think they actually proved a really important point that there can be football after the NFL, and there are a ton of great players. In this, in this, in this spectrum, and that, and if, for people who just love to watch football, like there's, there is a medium between the NFL and college, and spring football just makes sense. I mean, it does well in college, it does well in college, and, and having you know a ten season, a ten game season in the spring, I watched it, especially if I'm gonna watch some young talent. Or some town that I knew that was, that was okay or that was decent and good. They never was going to get an opportunity to play in the NFL, or at least not right away. You get to see guys like that. You know? So, I thought what the XFL did, it wasn't gimmicky. It, it, was, it was a serious brand of football, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a solid product. I give it credit. And, hey, listen. The, NF- the XFL is not the NFL, and while uh, Vince McMahon has billions of dollars, he didn't have to lay off the staff either. But I get it, it's year one, you already invested tons of bread, and I can't keep losing money, I haven't gotten any return yet from this product. So I understand about him laying off the staff, and... I wouldn't make any plans for 2021 until I knew about the coronavirus. I, I would not make any plans. Like that's the right thing to do. The XFL is, is being smart. We're making no plans right now. Like we already have a platform. We already have a model in place. Once once we understand how to how to cope with the virus, we will look into that model and maybe reestablish it again. But 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 the model is already there. It's already been built. So. Um, you know, shout out to them. I think they did a nice job this year. Um, my last thing I'm going to talk about before I shut it down is, uh, Tua. Tua. And, um, hey. 
it looks like Tua going to be a hundred percent. It looks like he's going to be ready for the start of the season. I wouldn't start him this season under no circumstances. I just wouldn't do it. I think. I think while Tua is special, if he's young enough, like that 20, 21 year, 22, 20, and 24, your body heals differently. So I, I can see Tua coming back better than ever, stronger. But just from a protection standpoint, I wouldn't throw him out there just yet. I want to see Tua just get stronger. Just physically stronger. It's not really about his body. It's about it's not really about his hip. It's about his whole body he needs to be strong. He needs to be a little bit huskier, a little bit thicker. But if it comes, but put it like this. I always said I think two is a better quarterback for the Bengals. And I think Burrow is a better quarterback for the Dolphins. I think Two was the best prospect of both between Burrow and between them both. Between between Burrow and Two, I think Two is the better prospect. I think Two is just the better all-around quarterback. I think he's the all he's the best all-around talent because I think the way he understands coverages before the snap and how and where to place the ball. And people say that Tua doesn't have a great arm. Let me tell you something. He has a great arm. He has a very very solid arm. It may not be the best arm in the NFL. But it's, it's an arm that can make the throw that the, even, even the person that can make every throw they can't make. Like, two of places the ball in places, put the ball with zip in places that not a lot of guys can do. And he assesses the field better than almost anybody I've ever seen. With that said, Joe Burrow had the greatest college football season I've ever seen for a quarterback. Just like I was listening to someone else's pod the other day. He has no bad tape. He has no bad games. Every game this year, he was amazing. I mean, shit, he threw 50 touchdowns. So, like, when you scouting Burrow, I don't know, I understand how someone's saying, listen, he's the best player in the country. I mean, he's, he's the best quarterback currently. Like, he, he has no bad film. Like, Every game he's been he he's been spectacular. So it's, it's it's hard for me to say, but I'm just trying to say in terms of the physical ability, the overall skill set, the fact that Tua is just a, a, a diamond with his feet in and out the pocket, way he can just get the ball out quickly, assess. And re- I think Tua is just a great quarterback and prospect. I really do. I think Burrow is a solid prospect. Now, if I'm Miami. And I've invested all I've had over the last couple of years in free agents and drafting and stopping the picks. I make the play for two of them. I mean, I make the play for uh for uh for uh for uh, for, uh, for uh I'm sorry for for a barrel. I make the play for him because because I think Burrow is one. He's ready to play right now. He's already I think he's 23 or 24. Um, he does have that moxie. I think he'll fit right into the Miami scene. Um, I don't think he wants to play for the Bengals, really. And I don't think he wants to to be there at all. Um, and I think Miami is a situation where he's ready to win. He's ready to win now. Now, who's to say? Tua would probably, like, put it like this. Tua would be great in Miami. 
right? I'm just trying to say Burrow will have a better chance to be successful in Miami than I think Cincinnati. Well, well, I believe Tua will be pretty good no matter where he goes. So let me just let me just be fair with that. I just think that some of Burrow's limitations as a quarterback in terms of having that primo arm strength are the same issue that the Bengals deal with with Andy Dalton late in the season when he can't cut through the wind to make throws. His balls sail every December, every January when he has to play because he just doesn't have the arm strength to cut through the wind. That doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback. I just think he needs to be somewhere in the dome. I think he needs to be in Florida somewhere or in Texas somewhere. I think Dalton's great. I think he's cool. He could have been, he could be in San Diego or somewhere in LA or Vegas. Like there are places for a quarterback like Andy Dalton. Cincinnati's not one of them. He's taking his talent. He's he's taking his talent as far as he can take it. He can't take it no further. So I'm not dissing Dalton. I'm just trying to say that first of all, he's had his time, he's had his shot. And what makes Dalton a liability in Cincinnati are the same things that make Burrow a liability in Cincinnati. And that's why if I'm Cincinnati, I'm taking, if the Dolphins want to trade up for Burrow, I'm doing that all day. And I still may not take Tua if I'm Cincinnati. Because if I might say, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm Cincinnati, I might trade down again <coughs> and get more picks. And settle on a guy like Justin Herbert or, 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 or Joy Love. Now, Herbert is the perfect quarterback for Cincinnati because he's, he, he, he has the kind of physical skill set like a, uh, 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 a Matthew Stafford that his physical abilities can overcome. Josh Allen, his physical abilities can overcome the elements. Then you got coach coach him up. He ain't ready to play now. That's why you have Dolphin there. Keep Dolphin there for one more year. You got you already have your stopgap for a quarterback. Then stock up on picks and draft a guy like Herbert. Trade down again or pick him up at four or five wherever you want to draft him at with all the, with all those Miami picks. And because that's the kind of guy you really need in that environment. Big, strong, can move a little bit. It can throw the ball like on a rope. He can cut through the wind. That's the kind of guy. That's why That's why the Bills drafted Josh Allen. Not because they thought that he was the best prospect. They thought he was a good prospect, but they thought his physical abilities could deal with the elements the best. And you've got to factor those things in. You have to. You have to. Jordan Love, another guy, mobile guy, rock it on, cut through the wind. That's the kind of guy you need up there. You know? So I know Burrow checks all the boxes. The only box he, the only box he get he checks, but is he has an NFL arm like Andy Dawson. But do you have an NFL arm that can play in Cincinnati? That's the difference. That's the difference right there. Do you have an NFL arm that can play in that win, that can play in Cleveland, that can play in Pittsburgh in December? That's the kind of quarterback you need. That's why Big Ben is so successful. 
because he can play in the elements in that nasty division. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I think Cincinnati needs to be really sharp. They need to be really, they need, they really need to take heed in terms of really try to get as many picks as possible. Try to get as many picks as possible. And, you know, you know, really, they can build their uh, and if it was me, I would be playing for Lawrence for next year. That's another guy. Physical enough, strong, like, they could just stock up on players and play for Trevor Lawrence for next year. That's a kid, perfect kid for Cincinnati. Physical abilities can cut through the wind. That's the kind, like, if, like the Bengals should really consider that. You know, like I said, it wouldn't it wouldn't be it would be smart for you know Washington, I mean for uh, Miami to jump up, draft draft Burrow, which I think is a great fit, and then even if Cincinnati get that fifth pick, you may get a team like uh, Jacksonville who wants to trade up again to number five to guarantee them Herbert or Jordan Love. You drop down to nine and. You might want to, want to draft the best offensive tackle available. You know, you may want to draft the kid out of Louisville. I think he may be available. Uh, yeah, the kid from Louisville. You may want to draft Judy to eventually take over for uh, for AJ, for AJ Green. So, like. And just stock up on and just stock up on players. Just start. This is a, a fairly decent draft for, for for skill players. Get some. Get yourself another offensive tackle. Find yourself some more skill players. Find yourself another RB. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, find yourself a stud tight end. And, you know, and ride out with Dalton for one more year and play for Lawrence for next year. I don't know. This is the Blitzman Podcast, Glockwood Radio. We go way, way, way down. What's the slumpy? We stay in the building. I'm back. I'm feeling good. You know what I'm saying? I finally got a podcast done. I'm fired up. This week coming up, I- I'm going to do a lot more NFL draft. We have my man Rick Savatella is going to come back next week. I got some other things special coming up. I think we're going to get AJ back. AJ, we got you back. We got the contract signed. This is the Blitzman Podcast, Glockwood Radio. We go way, way, way down. I got two things to say. You better hustle hard or hustle your ass home. This is the Blitzman Podcast. Glockaware Radio. We go way, 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 way beyond a whistle. This is Fly Sports Talk, not John Sports Talk. You heard. See you next week.